there, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That is who we are. That's right. The same bat time, same bat place. That's right. We are we're the same bat brothers. Same bat brothers. Uh, so always, uh, always classic. Sometimes classy. Rarely classy. Always very, very rarely classy. Except if we ever go to like a, a fancy restaurant. Ooh, that's true. Then, Maybe we'll have a classic gaming brothers fancy restaurant oh, episode where ooh, we just episode. bring yeah. our mics to the restaurant. Like, yeah, we could do like um restaurant tycoon and uh overcooked that's right but while we we will be in the restaurant we'll oh yeah these. i think uh, they would obviously. kick us out though eventually well there's nobody <laughs> in them right now but that's the truth <laughs> anyway well, yeah. yes, welcome to our uh 19th episode of classic gaming brothers yeah riveting yeah, that's uh right. we decided that um we would dig into the archives for this um and so there is a a mystery of a unknown episode a lost episode as it were of when we talked about horror games and it was a fan requested horror game episode and we recorded one but somebody put on the wrong input for his audio so instead of releasing an episode of just Seth talking to himself, which I'm sure all of you would have enjoyed, I'll, I'll put I'll put that out someday. No, no. <laughs> uh, we instead we instead are redoing the horror episode with entirely different stuff because we're probably going to talk about different games this time around. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So we we the original horror episode was going to be our episode nine. Instead, it's going to be nineteen. So it took us ten episodes to decide to dig up the courage to go back and talk about horror. It's a very yep. scary topic. Yeah, but, we've been scared since so, the first time. But let's catch up. What have uh, what have you been recently been playing, Zach? I have recently been playing a game that I talked about as one of my byweight passes a while back. Um, along with Doom Eternal, I picked up a copy of Doom 64 for the PlayStation 4, which is the most recent port done by uh, Night Night Dive. Night Drive. Uh, they're the ones who've done the. Ports I, it's of Night Dive. Night dive. Night dive, Night drive is like <laughs> glasses you wear on your face. <laughs> yeah, so Night Night Dive Studios did the port. Um, it's it's a very very uh, faithful adaptation, uh, faithful recreation of the original Doom sixty four for the Nintendo sixty four. Um, however, they have updated some of the controls. They've updated the graphics. Obviously, they've updated the lighting, which was a major problem on the N sixty four version of the game and uh they've also added in a couple of uh new chapters and new levels to the game i think they actually added in maps from what was going to be called doom absolution which was supposed to be the follow-up to doom 64 that got canceled so but the maps were mostly completed um so oh uh, so it's like uh hidden content or exactly or lost content content, lost content yeah just like this episode Just like this episode. It's all um, a theme. So it's fitting. It's fitting. Um, yeah. And I, I'm really enjoying it. I've, I've played most of Doom 64 on my Nintendo 64 before, but um, I usually don't get far in it because the lighting issues and um, well, mostly the lighting issues are a pain in the ass. So I I, <laughs> I am happy to enjoy some modern Good. elements to the game. That's what fun. about you, Seth? Um, what about you? 
What I've have you been uh, so I've recently been playing a uh, a card game, but in a video game format. It's a little uh, double game. Uh, I've been playing uh, Magic: The Gathering Arena, which is a game that I'm probably slow to adapt like i i think everyone else has been playing it for more than me i guess or maybe not i don't know yeah, I, well, I think people have been ma- playing magic the gathering for a very long time yes, but, yes yes and i do have physical magic the gathering cards but i decided i have a, i have a friend who doesn't play a lot of video games but he plays magic the gathering arena so he was interested in having somebody to play with him so i decided that i would get into it and was like yeah you know i could do with a couple of games of magic it's fun it's a it's a an interesting way of showing so it's all like and you get your it's a standard magic of you know standard magic game uh with the newer cards and you you know you go through your turns but it does like not animations but it does like i mean i guess they are animated but it's not like you don't see like the actual card it's not like Yu-Gi-Oh. i'm I guess right is what, yeah. what i'm trying to get to like the, is, the monsters are it, like coming out at you yeah yeah it doesn't like animate which i think that would be cool in its own right but <laughs> um it's it's very much like uh it's like a fast pace card game as a video game type deal i guess yeah, okay um and it's cool kind of getting into um, playing magic without uh, paying for it because I'm just doing the free version. So, and I'm just playing around with the free version. I really don't care whether or not I win a match or lose a match. So right, meh, might as well just not pay anything and have a game that it's actually a game that if um, you like magic, the gathering and you have like 10, 15 minutes that you want to spend on playing a game and you just need like a kind of mo- game like a mindless game or a game that has you thinking a little bit but um you know won't go on forever you can always pick that game up um i know that maybe hearthstone too Uh, some of those games i feel like i'm a little intimidated by because there's such a deep history too like yeah so i like magic does yes but like hearthstone i think has such a community around it that like if you're not like super into hearthstone then it's hard to like pick up i've always felt the same way with with um actually i mean i felt that way with magic and mm. um uh, i have a couple of friends who were really into Yu-Gi-Oh in college and i, I was kind of into Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid but i remember that. i just i couldn't i couldn't get back into it because there was all this kind of new stuff that was all you know been had been going out of the community for years and i just wasn't into i wasn't yeah so i'm out so like i was in i had magic cards when i was in college i was actually a magic hustler in college so what i did was i would show up at multiplayer matches of people playing in like the student center and i'd say like oh what's this game knowing full well how to play and have them teach me how to play magic and then like slowly build up my army secretly and then kill them all at the end like that was just kind of like my like i didn't hustle pool i just hustled magic but um so then and then i bought eventually i bought cards and i played regularly for quite some time uh and then my cards vanished for i don't know 15 years or something like that um but i've recently uh discovered my cards again and so i've played a few matches with my cards that i've had when i was a kid and or college kid i guess and uh it's been fun uh, i'm not going to buy any more physical cards not that i know of um because I, I i also feel that like it's intimidating to get into a hobby like that it's also a big place that if you want to spend like i buy enough stuff for my other hobbies that i 
don't need another place to spend money. Yeah, but, it is kind of a money sink. Yeah, hole. that it's like Warhammer, Magic, yeah. um, even some D and D stuff can be a little money hole. But uh, not to offend the Magic fans who listen to our podcast. No, um, no, it's a great game, yeah, yeah. and you and it's also something that you can possibly make money on selling your cards back. Um, or or by hustling as you did. Or by hustling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, either way, Magic. The, to get back to the original sto- point of this recently played session is that Magic: The Gathering Arena is a uh, a good game that you don't have to spend any money on, and you can still play a good game of Magic. So yeah, that's what I've been playing recently. Um, so now we're gonna go talk about horror games, which. I guess Doom is kind of horror so I guess there's some yeah, kind in, of... In, in Doom 64, which um, I, I didn't I didn't really talk about the game much. It's actually... Doom 64 is a lot different than Doom. It's more of... Um, it has more horror elements to it, at least in the first couple of levels. Um, um, not just because it's darker, but because um, the music tends to be a bit more um, low-key, kind of subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I guess that is, you know, that works as a segue enough as it is. But yes, yeah. today Seth and I are not going to be talking about Doom or Magic the Gathering for the whole podcast. We're going to be talking about horror games and our experience playing horror games over the years. So Seth, do you, do you want to describe some of your memories of playing early horror games growing uh, up? Yeah, yeah. We, we could. So some of my earliest memories of playing horror games was with the uh the original alone in the dark that came out in 1992 uh which is one of the uh one of the like staple horror games i guess i would say or like at least one of the genre defining horror games oh yeah Um, it was it was scary um looking back at it now it's not so scary it's uh got very polygon type people in the game yeah a little um, cartoony little cartoony uh but we 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 played that a lot of the first area in the game and that's about as far as we yeah. got through it the, like, um, attic. yeah so if you're not familiar with the uh, alone in the dark game don't worry you're in good company <laughs> 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 but uh, so uh it's it's it takes place you're like a, a you're either you play as either a guy or a gal and you got to go down to this mansion yes and yeah. you climb in through the attic because i guess all the other doors are locked so like climbing up to the attic is like the thing that i would do um you climb in through like i i don't even know if it shows you climb you might be actually in the house already and it just starts I think, in the attic so that's what the if horror I remember, starts yeah so if i remember correctly there's like you get to the, your character gets to the house and then i think it's you you walk through the whole like you don't yeah. actually control the character but it yeah. shows you like walking through the, the cinematic the house. yeah and then you, the game actually starts. Like you start controlling them when you're in the attic. Yeah. Because yeah, because your guy just goes to the attic. That's yeah. The well, first place to start when you're exploring you your house, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You start at the top yeah. and you work your way down when you're looking exactly. for something. <laughs> yeah. So you you end up in this attic and you get besieged by well not besieged okay that's probably not a great word for it you you get <laughs> like attacked by like uh, a couple of creatures they come out yes. Of, um, I think one comes out of a, a trap door and you have to put a chest over it and then somebody else comes yeah. out of a window and you have to push like a closet and you, you have a, a w- ability to attack but everything you attack just can kill you. Like it's very difficult yeah. to fight yeah. something off in that game. It's yeah. also a, a fixed perspective game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which we will talk about more because horror games use fixed perspective a lot, where the camera is only absorb, observing a certain point in the game. Right. And if your character travels outside of that point, you don't see them anymore unless they go to another point that will trigger a new perspective. Right. And that that gives some elements of horror because you're you're kind of locked into a a view that you, things can kind of crawl around outside of that view mm-hmm. and kind of uh, attack you and scare you cuz they're not there so you can get jump scares that way which is uh a way that they did that but uh so what what about you Zach what um what memories do you have of uh horror games I didn't I didn't play a lot of horror games at least when I was younger um, I think most of my memories are like yours watching you play Alone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, badly. Which I remember <laughs> badly, which I remember very well. Besides that, I, I I didn't really play a lot of horror games, at least until I got a little older and started to kind of explore the, the horror genre of games. Um, particularly in middle school, I, I played a lot of Left 4 Dead 2 with my, mm. with my friends um which we'll talk about a bit more later when we talk about multiplayer horror games and kind of the um kind of the world that those have in in general but we we played a lot of left 4 dead 2 but i wouldn't i often joke around and say left 4 dead 2 doesn't really play like a horror game for me because i modded the wazoo out of that game yeah where like um i think like they plays the cowboy bebop theme whenever the tank shows up because the theme's called tank yeah so uh, and i think we also like did a mod that made the tank look like johnny bravo so good, good. no uh, thomas the tank engine mod no no thomas the tank engine mod um but, but we, now we that i've mentioned of, it yeah now that i mentioned that um now that you mentioned that we we did like we had the velociraptor mod where all the player characters looked like velociraptors and you had like the the little dinosaur arms holding the guns and stuff it was fun so yeah i wouldn't describe the game as particularly horrifying after modding it but um there definitely has its horror elements to it i i have a memory of left for dead and it's gonna go in our memory area here but uh i actually i think i'm still facebook friends with the person i met somebody on in left for dead because we needed a fourth and we picked up this random guy and we, my, my big, my like memory of this person was we were, he, he went, his call sign was Shepard and, and it was Shepard before Shepard was cool. Like it was before Mass Effect. So it was like, he had a, he had a cool little call sign and we, we were sitting in a shed, all four of us. And we were like besieged by zombies and Shepard was like crawling on his on his uh, his knees, and he's just like, "Don't worry, I got this." And he just went forward and just meleeed the zombies, just like over and over and over and over and over again, and just held them off while we we all escaped. And uh, and I yeah we I we this guy who we met in a pickup group of Left for Dead, uh, he ended up coming back into our team speak and hanging out with us, and we ended up like facebook friending him and being friends with him is that guy by the name of nick and he's just he ended up being a really chill dude and i'm i'm pretty sure i'm still facebook friends with him and i'm still glad that i am and i'm glad that i met him through a left for dead pickup group (laughs) 
it's like like whatever we only had three so we needed a fourth and he became our fourth and he was like our perma fourth he played other games with us too it was really cool that's nice that's nice yeah um Um, my memories of left 4 dead 2 are actually i've i've i have a friend who was kind of like your dying light ryan oh yes um he would blow up all the propane tanks Um, he would also jump on every car um so he would eventually set off a car alarm which would summon a horde of zombies so it was always it was always good i'm sure um, if i, I think... played that de- with uh dying light ryan uh left for dead too then that's kind of how things would go he also had terrible lag on his computer at the oh, time good. we were playing so um he also would always have the highest um friendly fire uh, <laughs> point ratio because he would like spray and pray because there was no other way for him to play the game <laughs> um Anyway, straying straying a little away from uh, our memories and just talking about the horror genre, the horror video game genre. Yes, Zach. What was the um? What was like? What would you say would be the defining, defining the first game? Like, if if you had to go back and say this game started horror games, what game would you say is that? Would it be Resident Evil? Resident Evil definitely has its place, but when I when I think of early. Um, horror games um, one game that comes to mind always is a kind of a forgotten game and that's called sweet home oh, yeah. um, What's it that came about? out so sweet home came out in 1989 it was developed by capcom who are going to show up again when we talk about resident evil yes. um, and it was developed for the uh, japanese famicom system by nintendo which would become what we know as the nes or the nes um, and it's based on a movie of the same name sweet home and it's an rpg where you play as a group of art appraisers um who go to a mansion to photograph and catalog like famous artwork and stuff that's in this mansion um and when you enter the mansion something bad happens and you get trapped in the mansion and then it turns out the mansion is trying to kill you um by like ghosts and monsters and stuff like that and uh, uh, yeah and again this is an old nes game so the graphics are you know on par with like the original final fantasy or dragon quest maybe but the the thing that made this game different was it was fairly dark and gruesome for an old nintendo game at the time Uh, there's some very gory um images and stuff that you see um the monsters and stuff you fight are very body horror um based uh, and another element of it is that whenever a party member dies in the game, um, they will be dead for the rest of your playthrough, and there's no way to bring them back. So in traditional RPG games, if if party member dies in like Final Fantasy, you get a yeah, phoenix, get down, phoenix down, yeah. and then you can bring them back. Um, in in I think in what's it called uh shining force for the Sega, you go to the church and you you sleep the night. They're yep. waking up the next yeah, morning. Yeah, they just get better. They just get better. In this one they they are dead they're dead 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 and the only way to bring a character back would you have to be to reset the game and start from the very beginning Uh, with the full party again are these other art appraisers (laughs) yeah so they're people that have different jobs um so like you have a photographer you have a like a technical person who's like a technician um lamest role-playing game (laughs) yeah um so everyone has different different tools and different uh abilities that they can use that you actually need to to use to solve certain things so there's certain puzzles where you have to take photos to see like hidden imagery images and uh, hidden messages um so you have to keep the photographer alive as best as you can or at least keep the camera somewhere right everyone kind of has their their role 
Um, and that's one of the cool things about the game is there is a reason to keep these people alive besides, you know, wanting to complete the game with as many party members as you can. But when someone does die, it does have a negative effect on on your ability to play the game. It doesn't right. make the game impossible to complete. It just makes it significantly harder to complete. Right. So then jumping ahead past Alone in the Dark, which came out in 92 and 94, Capcom developed a game called Resident Evil. And Resident Evil was supposed to be a remake of Sweet Home, but along the lines of development, they realized that they had something entirely different going on. Um, and Resident Evil, I would say, while it wasn't the first survival horror game, um, I I would consider it one of the defining survival horror games, pretty much for the fact that it coined the term survival horror. Right, because it was it was they put it on the box. Exactly. So <laughs> can't coin anything better than that. Just put it on the box. So and that and that was something um, from my understanding. Um, PlayStation games, at least, and and other games in Japan did this thing where they would put the genre on the box right and it was the first time the term survival horror had ever been printed on a box for a video game thus making it what you could call the very first survival, survival horror. horror game and <laughs> they, the term they, didn't exist yeah and, and since resident evil came out after alone in the dark and sweet home they actually went back and reclassified alone in the dark and sweet home as survival horror exactly and they, so Resident Evil helped define the genre literally because it exactly it had, yeah it was survival survival horror there. I wonder if they were like sitting there and they're like, that's kind of like a horror game. Well, it's kind of like a survival game. Yeah, just put survival horror on it. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it and Resident Evil shares a lot of elements with Alone in the Dark. You're in a mansion, um, and it shares a lot of elements with Sweet Home. You have a party of people. And you're also in a mansion. <laughs> um, and yeah, mansions are scary. Mansions are scary. Also, like Alone in the Dark, um, it uses fixed camera angles. Um, and pretty much every game that would go on to use fixed camera angles would get classified as like a Resident Evil clone. Really, they're all just Alone in the Dark clones, right. if you really think about it. But uh, games such as Clock Tower, Dino Crisis, and um, a bunch of other... Well, did um, you say Dino Crisis is just Resident Evil with dinosaurs? Dino Crisis is effectively Resident Evil with dinosaurs, yes. <laughs> like, take out the zombies, replace it with dinosaurs. Just replace it with velociraptors. So survival horror games for a while, at least during this period of the 90s, were these kind of more action-y games. You played as usually um, someone who at least was knowledgeable about guns, or at least in the examples of Resident Evil and um, Dino Crisis, you're usually playing as like, a tactical person someone right. who like who who was like a commando or something like that what, um, Le isn't leon is he's he like a, he's from, a police officer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i just remember and, he had like a really cool gun and so like a yeah a yeah so style leon in, in resident evil 2 and 4 is a is a police officer um chris redfield in resident evil 1 is part of like the raccoon city swat team called stars right in 1999 konami developed this survival horror game called silent hill and it was one of the earlier games to do um the the genre with an everyman um you play as a dude whose car breaks down and his daughter disappears and he has no knowledge of how to shoot he's not very good at life uh and, and that's the game and he stumbles upon a cult and um and it did a lot of really cool things for the genre in in creating this everyman um the uh, silent hill uh kind of defined kind of created this 
this world of of horror games where you're playing as just a dude who's just trying to survive in this horror <laughs> as best as he can right um and there's a lack of supplies there's a lack of bullets it's it's you know, a lot of you know inventory management and just making sure that you can you can get from point a to point b without losing all of your health right um my experience with playing silent hill was me searching desperately for the next health pack pretty much in every instant of the game <laughs> my it, character is always like olympic yeah and it, it it leans um it's more psychological than yes yeah like jump scares yeah yeah so silent hill one and two are both or, incredibly uh, psychological yeah. was it? uh the atmospheric horror atmospheric yeah and it's which more is, of like which is a little different than both of those yes yeah absolutely um, where Resident Evil, I mean, the horror is very grounded in the fact that it's like walking dead creatures. In Silent Hill, it's kind of mysterious. Like, you don't exactly know why these weird monsters are walking around and trying to kill you, but they are, <laughs> and that's what they do. We'll um, we'll cover this game in its own episode during one of our Wednesday drops, but a, a game called The Pains Creek Killings yes. was very good at being atmospherically horror without delving into that jump scare tactic right. uh like uh dead space has a lot of jump sta- jump scares and stuff like that and even uh um the shock games have yes yeah. uh, the jump scare type uh situations happen um uh, which uh do do you want to go into the uh yeah uh i think the shocks as it were yeah the shocks yeah so i mean um the first shock game which would be just regular system shock wasn't really survival horror it was kind of more of a weird complicated first person inventory management mess of a game in many ways um system shock 2 however um which was developed by irrational games back in 1999 kind of was the trendsetter for what became uh kind of ken levine's style of horror first person games um it usually his games um are a blend of uh, I don't even know how to like properly describe it. A lot of uh, puzzles, a lot of um, kind of balancing of uh, weapons and an ability or something like that. So, for example, in, in Bioshock and Bioshock 2, you have the plasmids. In Prey, which was by Bethesda, you have like weird psychic abilities and stuff like that. Um, and that kind of became its own style of game, the shock right. games, as we would. And um, what's what's interesting, I I was actually watching a, a YouTuber kind of go into this um, about the Bioshock series and how how Resident Evil and Silent Hill and Alone in the Dark had horror that was driven by a fixed perspective that didn't mm-hmm. move, kind of like a a third person narrator narrator right like, almost like a limited narrator because you have an mm. omniscient narrator and a limited narrator um those fixed points are kind of a limited narrator scope right you only see what's in the room based on what the character sees so you don't know what's in the next room which is what an unlimited narrator would an omniscient narrator would know where bioshock is a first person perspective mm. and it stays in the first person's perspective, if you play through Bioshock completely, it stays in the first person perspective yeah. till the very end of the game. Yeah. Um, throughout the entire story of the game until the end cinematics, it is in first person perspective. And the character doesn't talk and you never see the, what the character looks like. So yeah. not only is it a first person perspective, but you can put whatever person you want in that person's body, right? He can 
Jack in the first Bioshock can look like anybody. And that kind of gets into your, your head that Jack is you and you are experiencing this horror. And this and the Bioshock narrative is a more of a like Art Deco horror, I guess. Was yeah, like it. yeah. It's very like Art Deco, kind of like what the world could have been if a bunch of scientists built a city underwater um, back in the fifties. <laughs> um, and that that type of uh, narrative and story told to the first person perspective was different and. It felt new when when they were when Bioshock was doing what Bioshock did. Um, yes, and kind of spawned those uh, shock stories, as it were. Yeah, and another thing I think system it does shock. really system shock. Yeah, um, another thing thing I think it does really well that um, other horror games um, prior didn't do, like Resident Evil or Silent Hill, um, is it also added in this element of storytelling through use of um i've used this term before diegetic sound oh or diegetic yes. um diegetic storytelling yeah in the sense that um when when you hear narrative being mm-hmm. told to you it's almost always through someone talking to you or like a recording or a, yeah, an audio or diary i already audio diary and that's kind of like the big um the big thing about these games um what's cool though is that they are not in many ways they're not plot necessary you don't need to listen to all the audio diaries they're very cool to listen to and i highly recommend doing so mm-hmm. if you play through bioshock um especially but you are always rewarded for it so either through achievements by by listening to like all of them i think you collect an right. achievement but also um you will often get hints at to where secrets are in the game um through what people are telling you and stuff like that which i think is a very cool way of encouraging people to um explore and not try to rush the game right um to kind of get an ability kind of get the chance to see what the developers have put into the game um you know they want you to take your time with it yeah and i i think a lot of those audio diaries can actually help you know what you are before somebody tells you <laughs> exactly yeah what's going yeah on. exactly yeah like if you read all the di- audio diaries you know before like the plot tells you before some like before the game tells you what the audio diaries uh, yeah you can piece to, together and you can piece together and it's cool because each I liked I I want we're gonna, Bioshock's going to get its own entire episode because we talk about Bioshock a lot, but uh, Bioshock has uh, distinct villains in every section, and there is interesting moment and distinct characters throughout the section, and it's fun to sometimes come across where there is a corpse, and it is the corpse of somebody who's you've heard all the audio diaries yeah, for, yeah. and leading like up to their death and it's kind of a a a sobering sobering moment and a moment where you're like wow this guy was kind of an asshole and now he's dead right yeah right so and part of my part of my french there (laughs) um so there's also um i don't think we could talk about survival horror or horror games as it were without um touching base with uh call of cthulhu uh the call of cthulhu is um, originated from H.P. Lovecraft, who was a uh, author that uh, resided in Providence, Rhode Island, and wrote a lot of stories about a, a place called Lovecraft Country. And mm-hmm. 
was like a fictional Massachusetts with various different towns. Um, So they released a video game back in 2018. A company called Cyanide uh, created it. And it was it took place on an island called uh, Darkwater, I, Darkwater Island, the, uh, the you know the island that's right next to Martha's Vineyard in the coast of Massachusetts, and it's a uh, a fishing village, and you you're you're hired on as a detective, uh, ironically named Detective Pierce, which is interesting because everyone calls him Detective Pierce or Pierce the entire time, or Mister Pierce which is something that I'm referred to and Zachary is referred to sometimes in our That's daily right. life. <laughs> um, but uh, so he's uh, called Detective Pierce and you're you're hired to investigate uh, the Hawkins case, which is a, a case of a family um, burning up in a, a fire and this per- the person who hires you thinks that there's foul play and you go and investigate it and you unfurl a very Cthulhu story and a very, very uh, psychological, horror, trippy type of adventure. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was it was a different pace of... Like, I wasn't playing the game. I wasn't expecting to be, like, jump scared. Uh, but there was things that I would come across and I'd be like, Oh, that is creepy to uh, a level that only Cthulhu can get to. Um, don't don't expect to, that there aren't jump scares in there. There there are definitely jump scares in the game. So Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised with something like Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> with Cthulhu, yes. And, um, and that's a first-person game, right? That is, it is a uh, first-person perspective, and uh, it does a very good job um, with the lighting and you needing to have it. And you may need to have like a, a lantern or at some point in time, just a, uh, a a lighter. So you have like just a little lighter that you're holding up and you're trying to see through all these things. And uh, there are uh, weapons. It's not really a weapon driven type game. Uh, you're not shooting a lot of people. It's not like a you're mostly it's mostly stealth. If there is any type of combat situation going on um you're generally hiding and and moving quietly but uh there are there you you do get a weapon you get i think you have a pistol in the game uh it's it's cool it's got a multiple different endings and uh all depends on your sanity for a lot of it because you have sanity as a, a, a stat that you actually have to manage so you don't go insane um and there's other levels and you can go back and replay the game and new game plus it all and stuff like that but yeah, so Call of Cthulhu, horror-y type of game. Um, so that's all our like solo games that we were talking about, right? Yeah, we would be remiss not to discuss um, multiplayer right. horror games. Because if, there's, survival horror games. Cause if there's something that you should do with your friends, it's a horror game. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I, I actually prefer all of my games that are horror to be done with my friends because I am a giant coward. <laughs> but but i'm obnoxious as a video game you don't want to ever play games with me i'm really bad and also don't take any of them seriously so and zach can attest to this that i'm i'm pretty uh i i just i'll just blast it like that's just like the meme of uh what is it um uh danny devito oh yeah yeah, then i start blasting i start blasting (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty much me in every game um so there uh one of the well, one of my favorite uh multiplayer survival horror games is a game called uh, Dead by Daylight 
Uh, it oh, was yes. developed by Behavior Interactive in 2016. It's an asymmetrical multiplayer game, which is a game where uh, there are four people versus one, uh, which is why it's asymmetrical. It's not, uh, I don't even, you can't even do five in asymmetrical. But anyway, so it's one person versus four, and four people play as survivors, one person plays as the uh, bad guy like the and they it could be a uh, classic horror people so there's like jason Voorhees, uh freddy krueger you could be the villain from saw whatever his name is saw man um jigsaw i think is jigsaw, the actual yeah. yes, yeah. jigsaw. and there's also some like uh dead by daylight specific creatures that were made for the game uh who are also kind of kind of like there's like a leatherhead leatherface guy who's very like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but it's, it's not because they don't have the license. So they have the <laughs> license for some things and they have the license for not some things. So they, you you essentially get dropped into a map and it's it's a, like one map, kind of one game at a time type situation. You, the survivors are trying to get out and in order to get out, they have to start five generators where you have to do quick time events at the generators and not get killed by the villain. Uh, the villain, the survivors are in third-person perspective, and the villain is in first-person perspective and a limited first-person perspective, so they can't see everything around them. And they have to find the survivors and put them on hooks, and like meat hooks. And uh, the survivors then have to try and get the... If they get put on a meat hook, they have to try and get off the meat hook, or else they get sacrificed to this evil thing. So then you try to get to the escape door, and then you try to leave. Uh, if three survivors die and there's only one survivor left then that one survivor may only need to find a trap door instead of getting the generators done so there is a tactic if you find a trap door as a survivor you just wait till your other survivors die and then you go out the trap door it is not always viewed politely by other survivors if you are ignoring them when they get killed but it is a tactic that i may or may not have done um then uh, for a different type of, for a more cooperative experience, well, that is cooperative experience, except when I play, but (laughs) (laughs) hey, we're we're called survivors for a reason. Uh, For a forced cooperative game is a game called The Forest, which is also a Mm. horror game. Uh, since this is a horror episode, I would hope that all the games that I'm saying are horror games. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that would help so, so too. <laughs> the, the Forest was developed by End Night Games and uh, came out in uh, 2018. You all you start off in a plane crash, and you and I think up to four people. I honestly don't know how many people you can play with. I think it's four, but yeah, uh, I think it's like four. Or I so. think it's four is the cap. So you and your three other buddies. Or yourself. I wouldn't do it yourself. It's terrifying. But so you go in and you are, you're on an island and you have to build things to survive. Mm-hmm. So like you have to hunt, you have to find food, you have to build shelter, um, you have to build eventually like a fort because you find out that the natives of the island are cannibals Fine. and will chase you around and murder you. Oh, good. So then, in order to progress the plot, to figure out, like, who's still alive from the plane, like, who died, where your family is, there's, like, the story that unfolds, you have to find different objects, you eventually have to go into the caves, and that's when the horror begins. (laughs) So you could play The Forest for probably about, like, I think I played it for, like, six to eight hours without any horror, beyond the cannibals, but the cannibals are just, like, whatever, they're standing there, like, you can see them from, like, a mile out, yeah, Yeah. naked dudes with spears, Um, and they're gonna chase you, and they're, like, 
eerie, but they're not like horror. Then you go into the caves and you encounter horror. And there are some disgusting creatures that are in there. Like we're talking like dudes with like multiple arms and multiple legs and like spider people and like centaur people who are made of just flesh. And there are like just things that I don't even want to say on this podcast that are in that cave. (laughs) Scary. So play the forest. It's it's very scary. If you want a square experience, play the forest. If you want to play somebody with the forest, I'm always down to play the forest (laughs) because I think it's hilarious. It's a classic gaming promise. Where where if you want to play the forest with somebody, you can always send me a message and I'll play the forest with you on a free time, which I don't have. But anyway, it's a fun game to play with other people. Yeah. Um, I You can also play the game in VR, which I am very excited about playing. I've done Whoa. a little I've done a little bit of it. Uh, my friend uh, Dave, uh, he did not want me to like he's like why are you playing it in vr i'm like dude i'm doing it like i'll play this game in vr so if you play the forest be prepared for me to play it in vr be prepared for me not to know what to do because the controls in vr are kind of wonky so i'll just be nice. like oh, walking excellent. into the yeah it'll just be me doing weird things and uh you not not helping at all so do you want to uh go into the the last game we have on this yeah, so the last the last games games that we have on here um, were both from uh, 2008 and 2009, developed by the uh, studio Valve, who created Steam and the Half Life games. And that is the Left for Dead series, which we brought up earlier in the beginning of this uh, podcast. Um, so Left for Dead, um, both games, um, I, I they are a four player um, kind of survival first person shooter. Uh, games where you you start from one point on a map and you have to get to a safe house at the another point on the map and you have to survive kind of um hordes of zombies um as they're called um so the game you play as uh four different survivors each person taking on the role of a different survivor um and you just do your best to to get to the end and make sure everyone's there with you um is very fun to play in multiplayer it's also very fun to play with me because like seth um sometimes i will get to the safe house before everyone else and then i will lock the door when the zombies come you're so, bad i'm very bad I've, but you win but the I've, level but i like vans yeah um there's, there's a character in that game called francis he loves vans france francis loves vans uh, <laughs> vans yeah. is like the vehicle yes not, not the vans the shoes <laughs> no um personally i would recommend picking up left 4 dead 2 if you have to pick up any of the games um 2 not only has more maps but it also has all the maps from the first game anyway right <laughs> um right. And, and all the survivors it, too all the survivors from the first games all the maps including from the first francis games, including francis and it has its own set of of uh levels for for two with its own set of survivors one cool element of the game is it's something called has something called an ai director so the ai director is in many ways left for dead is not four players versus zombies it's four players versus the omnipresent computer that is apparently hunting you down being your own game uh (laughs) not like a computer in the game um so the AI director determines when things uh, attack. Um, pretty much, it it 
makes use of a procedural narration so that um, if things are seeming too quiet or if you're doing too well, it might decide to throw a bit more zombies at you the next time. Um, I know, for example, I've, I've, I've experienced the AI director really trying to manipulate me and my friends in the sense that um, like we were going along in a very like quiet area we hadn't fought any zombies for a while and then it was just like a massive swarm of zombies just came out of us from nowhere uh, so <laughs> there are a couple moments in the levels where this might be scripted where the zombies are definitely going to attack you but there are moments where the ai director decides to just start throwing stuff at you because it realizes that you know you're just doing too well it wants you right. to wants to get a little messy with you um so it, it makes each match a little different um I, I would say if you play the game a lot you'll probably get decent at it but you'll always get thrown in something new um maybe a special affected in a place you didn't expect one to be or or uh, a, a zombie swarm in a at a time when you guys are in most of most need um so it, it does a lot of cool things like that. It also has a very active modding community, as I mentioned, and not just in terms of funny aesthetics, like turning the, the tank, which is this large, massive, hard to fight bad guy into Johnny Bravo, but also um, full levels um, from from different games. Yeah, from, serious uh, mods. Serious mods. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I played, um, I, I've played a couple that recreate levels from silent hill i played a couple that recreate levels from half-life and half-life 2 um there's a whole series of portal levels based on the portal games there's a couple based on places like chernobyl and based on actual cities and actual towns um there's a lot of cool things out there in terms of left for dead and I, I highly recommend it i will say that probably the best level set i played was there was a silent hill level set which pretty much played through the entirety of the first silent hill game it was like a 12 hour long level set me and my friends tried to do it in a night and we realized it was not going to go through a night so we had to do it in multiple nights um it was ridiculously long but it was very well done um and it was legitimately terrifying in some parts um because of how they kind of use the graphics to to kind of spook you and i think that wraps it it up for our horror episode so that's that's uh, gonna be our horror segment so we'll go into our uh, buy wait pass segment where we'll talk about games that we're excited about buying waiting or passing on it um our games will be in early access or 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 who knows maybe released by the time we get to around to posting this but i think both of them are are long and not coming out anytime soon but um so uh, we actually themed our Byway Pass this uh, this time around. We uh, both picked horror games yeah. that we want to Byway Pass on. So, Zach, what are you excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? So, the game that I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing on is a game that we saw at PAX. Um, at least yes. I saw it at PAX. I, I don't know if you saw it, but we walked past the booth. Um, and that was a game called World of Horror. So... World of Horror is a game created by a company called Panstaz. Um, it's spelled P-A-N-S-T-A-S-Z. Panstaz. Um, it is set in the year 1980X. Um, it has disgusting creatures terrorize a small seaside town in Japan as reality starts to crumble. The old gods reawaken to sate their primal hunger. Um, it's a losing battle, but maybe you've got what it takes to postpone the inevitable. The um, end of the world is at hand. Um, so I did talk about this game 
um in our packs episode i talked about it being very cool it was not my bi-weight pass though i checked i i checked uh, <laughs> so that's giving me a nod here yes i think because he was trying to research that just now to make sure i wasn't repeating myself i, I don't um, like repeats no 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 so this wasn't in my bi-weight pass um but it will be now um so just a brief overview of the game because i already talked about it uh it, it it's heavily heavily inspired by the art and and writings of um manga writer junji ito um junji ito is best known for creating his um volume sets of uzumaki and Jio, um of, and also in particular a story called the enigma of amigara fault um which there's a lot of memes about that one um it's about these people who go to like a, a quarry that has human shaped holes in the wall um and each hole corresponds to a human on on earth so people go to the place to see the holes and then they realize there's a hole for them and they climb in and they disappear forever um and there's some weird body horror stuff that happens at the end of the manga that i don't want to give away because it's a very good story he also is terrified of cats fun fact he wrote a whole manga about how he's very afraid of the cats he lives with <laughs> so um world of horror does um it's heavily inspired by his artwork um just looking at the the artwork you can kind of tell that they were inspired by the, the body horror the the very um kind of dark um kind of brooding elements of of his work um he has a very pessimistic tone when it comes to the way he writes and the way he draws things and it's definitely taking on that um currently the game is 14.99 it is an early access um and they um is available on itch.io and or itch.io and steam and um i am likely going to buy it i think i'm going to wait for a bit um i i'm I'm interested i'll probably pick it up off of itch.io versus off of steam i think more of the money goes to the developer in that case <laughs> i'm not 100 percent sure but um that's my understanding from my friends who who have worked through itch.io before um so yeah i think i think i will wait on it for the time being um and just kind of wait for some updates but i've heard some really good things and i'm, I'm looking forward to see what else is going to come out of it so for my by weight pass i um i found there's a uh, an indie survival horror game and i saw it and i actually thought of zach when i saw it and it's a game called bigfoot and which if you don't know this about zach because you may not know because we're only 19 episodes in but zach loves cryptozoological i things i i I mean i had a really strong interest in it when i was growing up so to me now it's kind of this like nostalgic thing yeah um more so, more so than me being actually like super obsessed with it but i was yes. very obsessed with it when he's, i was younger he, yeah when he was younger he's not going to go out into the woods now he's 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 a no, grown man no, now he, no. he won't do that but uh <laughs> grown men don't uh, go for hikes <laughs> yes, apparently in bigfoot they do um, yes. so you have a in bigfoot you have the unique opportunity to gather a team of friends or to go on a solitary expedition to the forest of wild reserves to feel like a real hunter for Bigfoot, where you uh, is a first-person perspective, and it kind of looks like a game of that game Hunt, which is a f- like a hunting game, except oh yeah, okay, except you could also find Bigfoot. Um, there is like a Bigfoot trailer that you hang out in with, like it's like a trailer with a Bigfoot picture on it, and uh, it's like a little. Um, like 
RV trailer type deal. Um, and you can co-op, you get a co-op up to four people and you are looking to look out to find Bigfoot and also to hunt like there's like deer that you can hunt and bears that can maul you and stuff like that. Um, it looks fun. It's uh, in early access right now. It's $15.99. Uh, it's a game that I think would be fun to play with like a four four group of people. And I think in like an hour of the game, I could probably figure out if it's a game worth keeping forever. Um, but I'm going to, I'm still going to, I think I'm going to put it down as a wait. I, I think that unless the, the whole universal lines and I, I have three other friends that are ready to go and play a game that we don't own then okay. if we do you have one you have one person that will definitely play this with you which is me. okay so if i get two other people that are like i want to play some bigfoot and we have a free moment then yeah i'll probably buy it but uh right now it's gonna be on a wait uh it does have mostly positive reviews which is great um which leads me to understand that it's probably fun but yeah so that's my my buy weight pass is uh good old bigfoot and uh that is uh, a horrific episode right there that was a horrific way to end the episode (laughs) horrific (laughs) horrific Um, seth yes if people want to reach out to us if they have something to say if like for example they want to be like dylan and recommend a horror episode which is how we got this episode even done our our our, my my friend our our biggest fan super fan one of our big a super fan one of our uh, biggest fans we have a lot of super fans do not leave out any of our super i'm fans. never gonna fight our super fans uh, one of our one of our one of our biggest fans dylan um recommended us do a horror episode back way back when uh, yeah when he first started him. listening to the podcast <laughs> and he and still listens so <laughs> we <laughs> you know we did not disappoint him i you disappointed him because i, I told him you lost the audio that's right that's right that's right which hopefully um, it's recorded on the right mic track today and it looks like it is um anyway um how can people how reach people out to us Seth? i'm curious i'm curious so people can send us emails at uh, classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com they can go onto the website which is classicgamingbrothers.com and they can go to the contact us form and they can fill out a form where you give us your email and you send us a message and it emails us to classicgamingbrothers.com you could do either of these things. If you reach out to us through our email, we'll put you into a drawing where you could possibly win a free game. It's going to be a PC game, and it's going to be from a list of curated games. We already had one winner. Justin won our thing. Well, maybe we'll do a drawing on our 20th episode. Hey. No promises. No promises. Yeah. No promises. No promises. But maybe no we'll, do, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll do a drawing on the 20th episode. Um, and we... Uh, yeah, so that's how you contact us. If you may, you can also head on over to the social medias, and you can follow us at Classic Gaming Brothers on Facebook. We're also at Classic Gaming Brothers on Instagram, and we are CG Brothers Pod on Twitter. And you can follow us on all those. You can subscribe to all of our feeds. You can like, share, and ring bells. You can listen to us on all the different podcast applications. If you so many. There's so many that we're on. We're on uh, iTunes, uh, Google, uh, Stitcher, Castbox, Spotify. Also, um, if you want to watch us play video games, 
um, you can head over to Twitch and um, check out oh, Classic right. Gaming Brothers on Twitch, um, where we occasionally stream. It's not like a regular thing. We've just been doing it more because we're both in quarantine right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. um, and because Seth and I don't have social lives when we can't hang out with people, uh, we, so we, play we play video games. games. Yeah, we play video games with each other. Um, also, um, if you can head over to Versus Classic Gaming Brothers, which is my Twitch, um, that's where you can watch my stream if we're doing a multiplayer game. Like, we recently played Warcraft 2, but I lost some of the video. Um, wow. But but if you were tuned in live for Doesn't that... Doesn't sound like something that happens anytime at all. No, no, no. Who, who loses stuff? Uh, but if you tuned in live, you could have had two 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 monitors going with sets of view and my view and you could have been placing right. bets it would have been a whole whole experience yeah it would have been a whole thing a whole let experience. me tell you um zachary is much better at warcraft than i but my yeah. strategy yeah. was going to uh was gonna win out I, i'm gonna get you to play uh rise of nations with me and then we'll see who really is the best at real time strategies that's the we game where starcraft we um, should do so oh we should do some starcraft um so anyway head over to twitch that's classic gaming brothers on Twitch we also and have versus YouTube. Classic Gaming Bros. There's a uh, YouTube, YouTube out there too. Classic Gaming Brothers. We have a lot of things. So many things. Uh, do them all. Buy our shirt. None of them. Tell three friends that you like this podcast. Only three friends. Do not tell four friends and if, do not tell two friends. If you tell four <laughs> friends, we will know. <laughs> we'll know. <laughs> we'll know. We'll see that fourth Just friend. Just three friends. Listen, we'll, anyway. we'll find you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Seth, what should people Zach. do? Don't play games like my brother. Don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. Yep. Yep. And that's that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And there's no like fun horror outro music that you can do with your mouth. I'm a zombie. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, no. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not, fine. It's not just, just roll the regular music. music.